My name is Jason Doldine, and I'm the host of Reaching Roots, a podcast with a goal to make life easier for parents and families so they can reach further. We're talking to people who inspire us with their journey, tell us about the problems they are solving, and provide us insight that helps us and our children learn and grow. Most parents feel awkward or unprepared to have the conversation about sex and relationships with their children. Research tells us that kids and teens who have regular conversations with their parents and caregivers about sex and their bodies are less likely to take risks with their sexual health and more likely to be safe, have healthy relationships, and higher self-confidence with their bodies. So how do you start this conversation with your kids? Mandy Nuttall is the author of the Birthday Suit books that teach parents how, when, and what to say as they approach talking to their children about anatomy, sex, pregnancy, and safety. She encourages open and honest communication so our children feel safer coming to us with personal questions. Mandy makes it simple and empowers parents to then empower their children to respect and love their body. Her mission is to help amend generations of shame and embarrassment about our body, our greatest gift, into one of admiration and respect. She says, we have one shot to teach our kids to respect their body, and we can't leave that up to the world. It is our job and divine responsibility. Mandy is a former high school health teacher, a collegiate volleyball player, a photographer, and a mother of five. Through a life of struggle, surviving cancer, miscarriages, and helping her two-year-old daughter fight cancer, Mandy believes in miracles and in the limitless potential within families to do good and raise knowledgeable children. In this episode, Mandy tells us why teenage kids are clueless about sex and their bodies and how we can prepare them better. Okay, welcome, Mandy. Hey, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. So Mandy, tell me a little bit about your background and uh, how you kind of got this idea to write the birthday suit book. Yeah, well, right out of college, I was a high school health teacher and I, I taught health and all relevant things to health, but I taught sex ed. And that was so fun to teach those kids because they were just all ears. And we developed the coolest relationship talking about something so relevant. And then when I started having my children, I actually had my first while I was still teaching and I held him up in front of my class. And I said, you guys, I'm going to teach this kid and he's going to know about his body and he's going to, he's going to understand everything. And I mean, obviously we had more and now we're up to five, kind of a, a shocker. We had twins there at the end that completely, you know, blew our minds and rocked our world. Um, but about five years ago, before the twins came, I, I, I was teaching my children what I was knew I was excited about. I mean, I, I wanted to do this, but I was trying to find the resources, you know, to show them pictures of a child's body, to just show them basic things, because like you have to teach and understand anatomy and physiology before you can understand sex in a respectful way. So I wanted to teach my children these, but I could not find the resources that I needed. And some of the books out there were either way too much information or way too little. And so I made this weird, crazy, 
idea come to life and I have written a, basically a curriculum lesson plan for parents to teach their children every year on their birthday to learn and love their body. Very cool, very cool. So, you know, it's a topic that um, most parents actually dread, <clears throat> right? It's, it's awkward, yes. we don't really know how to say it. Um, and, you know, tweens, as a parent of tweens and teens, you know, the conversation kind of makes them squirm. So kind of help just walk parents through this, like from the beginning, right? I mean, you know, when should it start? When should we talk to kids about this? And, and what should we be telling them? So here's the problem. When we think teaching our kids about sex, we, in our minds, we're thinking, I'm going to teach them what I know about sex and my history and my thoughts and my insecurities and my feelings and emotions. Like right. that's not what you teach a child. We have to change the mind frame. Like we are teaching the basic, basic core purpose of sex. And this is interesting. When I ask people this question, what is the purpose of sex? It's really unique, the answers that you get. I mean, you get things from um, emotions. It's when you love someone, or I had some parents say, it's when you share a bed together, or it's when like certain, where certain anatomy goes. The core, core purpose of sex, like really think about this, right. is the act of creating life. That right. is the purpose of sex. And when you approach it that way, it's so fun and exciting because you're teaching about DNA, about, you know, babies, about delivery and all of those concepts when taught with enthusiasm and admiration, they are, they are incredible and they're so fun and the kids just soak it up. So I walk parents through this process of before you even teach about penetration and about like the mechanics of sex, yeah. you have taught your child all of this foundational knowledge. Right. They know what DNA is. They know they're getting traits from their mom and their dad, that it takes two people. They right. know fertilization and they know fetal development, all of these things. They know anatomy before they are taught about the actual mechanics in lesson nine. So I try to help parents hold off on teaching penetration until lesson nine, right. where their minds and their, their maturity is much more developed. You don't teach a three-year-old about penetration. No, that's not a good idea. Right. But you do teach a three-year-old about um, cool things like where they got their eye color from, where they got their hair color from, that they, they came from a mom and a dad, from yeah. an egg and a sperm. So we work backwards. Yeah, very cool. I mean, uh, you know, and that that at that age, they're such sponges. They want they want to learn about science and they want to learn about math. And they want to learn about all these different things. So, uh, so that sounds like a wonderful approach, actually. Yeah, and the cool thing about this whole process is is I've laid it out to a lesson for every year. So it's not just one big lesson, maybe when they're seven or eight or nine, it's a right. lesson every year. Like we're continually teaching them. And then throughout the year, you know, we're reinforcing what we already taught them. And right. in these lessons, it's like, say this sentence, ask this question, show this picture. So you don't have to be like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say. How am I going to word this? Like yeah, it yeah. truly is simplified. Very cool. So, you know, obviously there's a science part of it. Um, there's kind of the sex and the enjoyment part of it. There's also like the safety issues, right, um, around this. And you talked a lot about sort of um, self-esteem and, and, you know, knowing how to love your body. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. And where does that kind of fit into this conversation? Well, I mean, when we're talking about something as, as special, it's not a secret, but as special as sex, we have to teach safety along with that, of course. 
So I'm not just teaching anatomy and physiology in these lessons. It's basic things like, you know, safety. What do we do if someone touches us where it's, we feel inappropriate or we feel uncomfortable. And these discussions are started very, very early. We know the dangers and the horrible things that are out there facing our children when they're outside of our care. I mean, right. from the first time that they leave our care, they need to understand and know what to do when they feel uncomfortable. So we start these conversations really, really early. Who do we tell? What would make you feel uncomfortable? What type of touch is not okay? There's right. good touch. There's bad touch. There's unsafe touch. All of these things are, I, I present them as things to talk about in each lesson, yep. but I don't give, I've tried really, really hard. I don't want to impose my values and my beliefs on families. They're open-ended questions where the parents can add their beliefs and their values. Like for example, on circumcision, I'm not going to say if they should be circumcised or not, but I will tell them what it is and what yeah. foreskin is and how to wash an uncircumcised and a circumcised penis. But I say the parents, what are our beliefs on this? What are our family values? And they answer that. Not yeah. me. I don't need to tell them that. <laughs> yeah. I tell my own kids their things, not yours. Yeah. Makes sense. So, you know, you talk about the sort of uh, questions around safety. I mean, should you be talking to like a three-year or a four-year-old about those? Yeah. Oh yeah. Who should be touching you? Should you show your privates to other people? Should they ask to see yours? Should they be touching you um, in places that are not appropriate? And they need to know what are your privates right. and they need to know the names. This is a huge, huge thing. When yeah. I taught my health, my health class, so many of these high school kids did not know the anatomy. They didn't know the names. Right. Um, I'll tell a quick story. When, um, when I was in college still, my oldest sister, she had, I think he was, my oldest nephew was about three or four. And I was babysitting him and he goes, Mandy, my scrotum hurts. And at first I was like, whoa, well, well, okay. I know exactly what hurts. I know exactly what to do to help this, to help him right now. So right. he's got a rash right there. It's not just like, oh, it hurts down there. You need to know the anatomy so right. that you can, so that you can say exactly, no one should be touching your vulva. No one should be touching your anus. Like, you know, one should be touching. I mean, you, you have to be specific. Right. So many times we're like, oh, don't touch uh, your private parts, but like they need to know what that means, especially for a three to four year old mind. They got to understand what is okay and what is not. And you got to teach those specifically. Yeah, you know, as, as you're sort of talking about some of these words and things like that, um, you know, I've certainly come across lots of families um, that, you know, just would rather not use these words, right? Uh, they're kind of like bad words maybe to be using inside the house. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think what you're kind of talking about is that, um, you know, it's it's science and we should teach it. Yeah, I mean, think about it. Why, why would you be afraid to teach what true anatomy is. And it's, it's gotta be some sort of insecurities from the parents or some trauma or something from there. But why do we have to put that onto our children? Why do we have yeah. to put our insecurities? They're not born with these insecurities and these shameful feelings. They're not, right. we can you know, change I, that. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like so much of it might be how we were brought up and how our parents thought that it was taboo to talk about these things. And, and we're now sort of surfing, surfacing those same feelings and, and, uh, and applying them to our families. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it is tough. I'm not going to lie. It is tough, but like with these lessons, like lesson one, yeah. it's not for a one-year-old baby. It's for the parents. Right. And lesson one is to start saying these words out loud to say them for those of us who are nervous and scared and they were bad words in our homes. Yeah. 
to say it. Like when you're changing a baby's diaper to say what you are washing out loud. So it feels natural and comfortable. So when you do start teaching them, it's not like, okay, wash your penis. Like you, you can say it, wash your penis, wash your elbow, wash your hair as part of just a, a part of our body. And then we can teach which parts of those things that we're saying are actually private parts without feeling you know, uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So Mandy, what would you tell, you know, there was, there was a point um, that you made in one of your um, writings where you said, you know, teenagers um, are clueless about sort of sex in their bodies. Can you kind of explain, um, you know, in your experience, what you've seen and, uh, and what you mean by that? And, you know, then sort of the follow on to that would really be, you know, how can we kind of better prepare them? Yeah. Okay. Here's a fun story. Yeah. Great. (laughs) So uh, one of my students, he was extremely physical with his girlfriend. And I I knew this because when I walk into my class, that was their place where they would make out every day. And it was, you know, very intense making out. This is not like a nice little kiss. They were, they were going out all the time. And I'd say, guys, come on. (laughs) Like as I'm walking into my class. So I knew that he was very physical with his girlfriend. I don't know how physical, but I knew it was extremely physical. So in class, this was my favorite kid to answer his questions because he would have some very interesting questions. So uh, one lesson we were talking about ovulation and how a girl releases an egg, just one egg once a month. And he had the most funky face. Like he was computing what I was saying. And I saw his hand slowly start going up and I'm like, yes, what's this (laughs) question going to be? So his hands raising slowly. And I, and I say, okay, let's hear it. And he goes, so once a month, a girl releases an egg. I mean, like, I mean, is this like, like a chicken? I'm like, oh my gosh. (laughs) Kid honestly thought that his girlfriend squatted down once a month and laid an egg. (laughs) Like absolutely clueless to the mechanics and anatomy and physiology. I mean, I'm sure we get nasty stuff online and he was, I'm sure exposed to many pornographic things, whatever. But when it comes to the the facts and like the legit purpose and reason and why they did not know very little. No. And the ones that did, they were so respectful. They were so confident. They weren't shameful and they were honestly really, really good kids, really good, um, respectful in class, worked hard kids, the ones that really knew, and you could tell who had been taught at home. You really, really could tell. And that was like a big, you know, solidifying with me as a parent, a future parent, I was going to teach my kids and my kids were going to be those in that classroom that weren't scared to talk about it, that were respectful, that, that, that knew. Yeah, that's, uh, that's um, eye opening, actually, I'm thinking, you know, um, that's the one kid that actually put his hand up and asked those questions. How, how many other kids had the same question, didn't put their hand up, right? Oh, oh, takes courage got, to do that too. <laughs> I got so many questions. I got so many questions. And I also had a lot of parents call in and say, I heard you were talking about blue balls in class. That's not okay. And I said, I'm sorry. A student said, I've heard about blue balls. What is that? And I answered it in a complete respectful way. And the parents were a little upset that right. we were talking about that. And I'm like, I would much rather a child ask a question in a classroom and answer it respectfully and truthfully, because if I don't answer it, they're going to go out in the hallways and they're going to go ask somebody else. And they're not going to get maybe the right or wrong answer. Um, but that should be answered at home. They should know these questions. And if the kids can't go to their parents and ask, 
they're yeah. going to ask other people who they can, who they feel they can trust. Now the yeah. problem with parents coming up with like, um, like I had one story where a parent told a kid they get pregnant because she drank daddy's juice. Like she said, Oh, I drank daddy's juice and I got pregnant. And the kid's like, no, you didn't. You had sex. That's how you got pregnant. And they correct. It was a stepmom who said this to some kids. Right. Um, when you become a source of, when they know that you're not telling the truth, they're yeah. not going to come to you. Right. Like you've yeah, got to yeah. tell them some sort of truth. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Obviously. Um, if you don't have that trust, you're going to go find someone that, uh, that you actually believe in. Yeah. So, you know, you started with sort of as kids are young, you talk about the signs and then, um, you know, you, you at least alluded to the fact that, you know, you don't talk about the mechanics until later of the actual act of sex. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe just talk a little bit about like, you know, relationships, right? Like, you know, that's the science and there's the mechanics, but what about like, you know, there's kind of like the next part of this, right? The most important part of it, which is, you know, the relationships and what makes it special and, and why do we do it and things like that. How do we go about trying to get kids to sort of appreciate that? That is an excellent question. So I'm focusing right now, I'm releasing book one through nine, ages one through nine, ages right. 10 through 18 is coming in a few more months. Um, this is when we start getting into that. They don't need to know any of the emotion of the intimacy aspect until at least about nine years old. Okay. And then we start developing, you know, sex is used more often than just to create a baby and why right. and how it's so special. But that foundational knowledge of understanding how incredible the process actually is that it takes one sperm out of hundred million sperm to create one you know, child, yeah. when they understand the beauty and the, the, that, that foundational knowledge of how it's a, it's a miracle that we are even here, that there, there are humans on this earth because yeah, yeah. of the process. But when, once they understand that, then we start building layer by layer, you know, why is it used? Um, when, when is it appropriate? And each family can answer this individually, but each lesson we go deeper and deeper and deeper until 18 when they're, we're really answering questions about how to be a good partner, about how to have um, a respectful relationship where sex right. is not, you know, again, shameful or abusive. Um, right. So like an 18 year old, can you imagine an 18 year old really coming to their parents and having these deep conversations about how to be a good partner? Yeah. I mean, most kids don't have that. Right. And you can't start at 18 and be able to have that deep, you know, strong level of conversation with your kids if you don't have that foundation. Sure. Sure. But if they're used to having these conversations a couple times a year with their, with yeah. their parents, they will, they will. Yeah. And it seems like, you know, those ages, I guess you're talking, you're saying 10 to 18 and I'm not sure exactly, you know, when it starts, but you know, different kids go through different stages, but it's probably also the time when um, they need to also understand just respecting themselves and respecting others and, and how that kind of dynamic works and plays into probably safety and everything else also. Yeah, and what your family beliefs and values are. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. understanding that I really encourage, I have a family values journal that goes along with these books where parents write, what are our values? What are our beliefs? And the kids write them down and the kids take that journal and that is theirs to keep. Yeah. And to have, to write down your family values instead of like, uh, okay, uh, don't have sex, but if you do wear a condom. Like that is the most confusing thing to a kid. Don't do this. It's bad. But if you do wear a condom, like right. you got to really have your family values figured out before we can have our kids figure them out. 
Yeah. So these are all definitely things point. that are That's encouraged. Something, something that I think parents have to kind of come to grips with and, 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 and put that in writing maybe, right? That's hard yeah. to do. Yeah, we got to figure it out first. Yeah, that's a good point. So, um, Mandy, just to kind of switch topics a little bit. Um, so tell us about, uh, you know, you've, you've kind of started this um, uh, and you've sort of been on this journey. What challenges have you faced? <laughs> well, having twins, that was absolutely insane. And this was you guys going for four, but ended up with five? Uh-huh. Like maybe we'll have four. We've had, we suffered a lot of miscarriages and we just didn't think we were going to even be able to have four. We just had a, a big break between number two and three and thought, oh, it'd be nice if our third had a buddy Yeah, <laughs> and uh, completely had our worlds turned upside down when it was twins. Twins were extremely difficult. The you know year, the first year wasn't as bad, but when they started moving one to three, that was really, really hard. Um, I had this idea and it was nagging at me. I have to write this book. I have to write this book. And I had no mental bandwidth left. Like mm -hmm. I was completely mentally drained. So just having it pulling on me, pulling on me that I need to do this. And then I just couldn't do it. That was a huge struggle. But I'm telling you, as soon as twins turn four, they are so fun. <laughs> they, <laughs> they are so fun. So right about when they turn four, I was, you know, they're a little more self-sufficient and I, I just dove headfirst into this and it's taken about almost a year. Um, but, uh, and I've had to self-publish. I didn't go the traditional route because I knew I needed to have full control of what was in this book. Right. I didn't want anybody saying, Nope, don't do that. Or you need to add this. Like I needed to do what I believed and what I felt inspired, um, to put in this book. So that's been a big challenge of, you know, navigating that myself, but, oh man, when you work hard for something and when you put your, everything into it, oh, it's so rewarding when you get to actually see it and hold it. And I am so proud of what it has become. Oh, good for you. That's great. Yeah. It seems like you're, you're passionate about it all. So that goes a long ways. Yeah, for sure. So how is this, um, how has this kind of, um, changed you? Wow. Um, I think we all have this imposter syndrome. I think we're all, when I was first a mother, when I first became a mother, I'm like, how am I supposed to raise a person? <laughs> and how am I supposed to raise five people? Like we have this imposter syndrome where, where um, we just, and, and I hear the term fake it till you make it. And I don't believe in that anymore. I don't believe we fake it till we make it. I believe that we need to believe in ourselves until we believe it's actually true. And this whole process, I've really learned that I, I need to believe that I am capable of this. Um, I'm, a, I'm capable of being a mother to raise these children. I'm capable of giving them what they need. I'm capable of creating this book that can help families in a huge way. Like just believing in ourselves, it's, it's a hard thing to get to. It right. really is. Yeah. But it's so much better than faking it until we make it in my mind. So yeah, just believing that I am capable of doing this is, has been a, a beautiful, you know, transition. Yeah. And you know, when you talk about parenting, I mean, there really is no, no one right way. There's lots of right ways. So it's like, no, and we usually adapt and change things real quick. Like, <laughs> Oop, that didn't work. Let's fix that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good, that's an important message for, uh, for all parents actually. Yeah, so, um, I asked this question to, to all my guests. Is there, is there one feeling you have as a mom that you would rather not feel? 
Oh, gosh. I would say, I would say the guilt. I think moms are very, very good at feeling guilty, feeling guilty for not doing something right, feeling guilty for not doing something in the first place, you know, letting time pass. If we focus on that guilt, and I've been there, I had a really, really dark, like you said earlier, I was diagnosed with, with skin cancer and my daughter had cancer a month after I was diagnosed and it was a really hard time. And, um, I wish I didn't feel the guilt that I lost out on those on that year. Um, I wish I didn't feel the guilt of not being the mother that I needed to be during that dark time. Um, because that dark time, hard times are so important in our life because if we don't have that dark, we can't understand when we're out of it and how great it is when we're out of it. Like it just makes the good times that much better when we know what the opposite is. Um, we can feel like we've missed out. We can feel like we haven't done well because that's, what's going to drive us to become a better parent and to do things better. I just wish we didn't feel that intense guilt that yeah. we gave ourselves some grace. You know what? You're doing a good job. And this is hard. It is so hard to be a parent, but yeah, just give ourselves grace instead of guilt. That would be, that would be a blessing. Yeah, well, it's good, good, good that you're actually um, talking about it loudly because I think a lot of parents uh, will relate. Oh, good. Yeah. So, what's your what's your hope for your audience? Oh, my hope is that I have provided some sort of a resource to help, um, whether it be you know the organization of being able to teach this content to each child consistently, or whether it be I also have a course where I teach the lessons with the parents and the kids and the parents can watch it together. And it, you don't have to have the, you know, the uncomfortable feeling of teaching the lesson if it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I provided, you know, eBooks, like just anything that I can to help these conversations happen. That's just my hope. Please have these conversations with your children in a respectful way in and in a beautiful way that will, you know, give them this foundation of knowledge. That's so important. Right. Um, my other hope is that parents who think, oh, well, my kid's already nine and they don't have that foundation to yeah. start now, like it's never too late to raise your child, to, to give your child your best. I, I love the phrase, you know, the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago, but the second best time is right now. Like, right. <laughs> you don't want to keep waiting another 10 years to do this. Like you yeah. can start right now and start that. It might be a little bit tougher sometimes, but you know, put on your big kid pants and let's go, let's get to work. This is your child. Right. We got to work hard right now. Cause this is the best time to do it right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Uh, so on that point, actually, um, why don't you tell the audience where can they get some of these resources and, and how they could reach you? Yeah. So if you go to the birthday suit books with an S.com, um, all of the book collection will be there. There's going to be more and more coming out. The two main books, book one and book two, are for the parents, the lessons. But I'm also coming out with books for the children that don't have any pictures that are just kind of the content um, from the lessons that they can have to study each year. Those are kind of becoming eventually. We're, we're getting there. Um, you can also find me on social media at The Birthday Suit Books on Facebook and Instagram. And um, there's so many incredible resources that I have. Um, there's a membership that I interview tons and tons and tons of parents and people can have this, this access to uh, parents advice. Also, I interview a ton of kids and they put what they're struggling with, what they wish their parents did better. Um, 
what their relationship is like with their parents. So that I, I'm just trying to facilitate as easily as possible building this relationship. And so that's, that's my goal. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Mandy, for being here. It's been, uh, it's been great talking with you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. We would really appreciate if you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or send us any feedback to reachingroots at wishslate.com. Also, download the Wishslate app to help organize wish lists for your family and change the way you gift. You can download this from www.wishslate.com slash download.